Hello, everybody. It's Kevin Bullock here, President and CEO of Anaconda Mining, a company that's active in the east coast of Canada. We have uh, limited gold production in our Newfoundland assets in uh, in eastern Canada, and we also have a development project, which is really, really becoming uh, the value of our company for the future in uh, Nova Scotia called Goldboro. I'm happy to be here to update people on uh, on the progress that we're making. Hey, good to see you. I haven't seen you since June. Good to see you, Matt. Yeah, I see you back in the office and you're wearing suits again. It must be getting serious. You know, it's it's getting a lot better here in Toronto. The streets are getting busier and, uh, you know, pedestrian-wise and traffic-wise. So um, people are are getting back. Things are getting back to norm and, and um, or, or the new norm, I should say. And uh, I always think it's good to be interactive face-to-face uh, as much as we can. That That's where ideas and, and, uh, and strategy pops up better. Yeah, let's get it. Okay. Well, look, I'm... Make contact uh, because I've been reading through the press releases since we last spoke about you know some of the things that you're up to. I think the big topic that I want to discuss is around the feasibility study. You said you put out a feasibility study, okay, so, which is great, but you're now talking the language of a phased feasibility study. What does that mean and why? Yeah, so we, um, as a lot of people that have seen uh, these, these shows in the past, which are excellent, by the way, um, to keep people up to date, what they've seen is a, is a preliminary economic assessment on Goldboro. And a preliminary economic assessment, uh, just by definition, uh, you can include all categories of resource, uh, measured, indicated, and inferred. So you're really giving a snapshot or a, a projection in time over what can happen to a project with all the resources should they come to fruition. And that's what the PEA showed with some very good numbers, um, cost numbers, and 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 low capex and a very, very robust project. When you move into feasibility and you're defining the project with, with more detailed engineering and understanding how to go forward and you're setting up that actual feasibility study to raise project finance, whatever that may be, debt or equity or, or otherwise, um, you cannot use inferred because they aren't yet proven. They aren't drilled tight enough spacing to be proven. Um, so you're only allowed to use measured and indicated. A mine life of eight years plus is usually what's required to go for project finance. And we know we have well over 10 years of open pit mining. I mean, this will be an open pit mine to start with for several years before we even think about underground as the PEA envisages. It's year five or six that we start developing it. So we chose instead of raising 30 or $40 million now at a low uh, stock price and dilutive um, we are not, uh, you know, to drill something off that won't come into play till year six or seven of production, which means eight years from now. Um, we would rather do that drilling with cash flow. We have a 10 year plus open pit mine line. So to get that going and not to dilute our existing and future shareholders until this gets started and generates great cash flow from a high grade open pit mine, which whereby we can drill off the inferred and do the phase two feasibility, which will be introducing the underground mine to the overall process. And that's how the, so we are doing the phase one, the open pit portion of the PEA in a feasibility. Phase two will be the adding the underground portion. And it's not that we need to start both at the same time and we're delayed with the, with the underground. The underground does not start till we're further down mining the open pit. The other advantage of this map, which is really important, is we will open up the deposit to three or four years of open pit mining and understand it. 
um, from in 3D in an open pit, really understand the deposit rather than designing an underground mine based on drill holes that are about that big. Okay, so I want to, I want to be really clear here because I've seen companies make similar statements in the past and they've been absolutely hammered, okay? So the PA came out with um, one set of numbers. You're, you're just basically saying, look, I'm telling you now, We've got, a, we've got a two-phase approach to this. We, you said they were chosen. We've chosen to do this because you want to get on with some stuff. So, what do you want to get on with? Because the, I, I would say the question, well, why wouldn't you wait? Just just delay the feasibility study. It'd be fine. So uh, for, for permitting reasons, to, to permit the underground, you'd have to do a lot more work. You'd have to do a lot more drilling, not only for exploration and converting ounces, but for water inflows, all that kind of stuff. Deep holes, very expensive work. Um, that we could otherwise do out of cash flow and not dilute the company. It would be not it not it wouldn't be a good strategy to um, to do just the open pit portion if we had less than eight years of open pit mine life because that then that's hard to finance. But we have well in excess of ten years of open pit mine life at full capacity, so that allows us to go out and finance and and build a mine and then use cash flow to move on. Um, to something that doesn't come into play into year six anyway. So we're we're not diluting shareholders. We're saving a lot of money. Um, we're not delaying permitting by several years to drill off something. And then who knows how much more difficult it becomes to permit. So we get a mine going, we create cash flow, and then we do a phase two feasibility. So we will see a net present value that is lower than the PEA simply because we're only doing one portion of that value up front and then we're going to add value at lesser dilution to the company by doing the phase two feasibility which right. adds the other so nothing's gone away you haven't lost answers you've just deferred the process that you're going to go through there so you can start other doing other stuff like environmental and permits and licenses etc etc to allow you to get the financing is that what you're saying that's exactly it right yeah okay Okay, so you, it's like if you were a real estate agent and you wanted to start renting out houses, you'd you'd buy what you can with your money, and as the rent comes in and pays for those houses, and there's a little bit extra, then you add to it, and you can add to it and add to it, and then you have all these homes that didn't cost you up front. Okay, I just I just want to be clear because that we we'll, we will have questions come in, and we we have already. It's like so. They're, you're not hiding anything. You haven't lost anything. This is a conscious decision of yours to get the economics going sooner so you don't dilute by raising at these rates. Because I think most precious which, metal which, companies... Which protect, yeah, protects and right. advances okay. everything for all of our stakeholders. So, we, so what is... So actually, well, while, we're on, while we're on the topic, last time we spoke, you're about 90 cents. You're about 60 cents now. What, what's going on? Well, I think if, if, uh, if you look at... Uh, put us up against our peers and you look at comparables... Um, it's happening to everybody. It's the market. But um, I'm of the view that I think a lot of people are um, in this industry, and, and maybe I'm just too used to being with gold bugs. But um, the timing for our project is fantastic because I think we are in the final cycles of a gold bull run that will last several years. Uh, starting next year, I think we'll start seeing the gold value go up. Right now, gold doesn't know which direction it wants to go. It's struggling uh, at a certain um at a certain uh, top, and it's and it's not going through a certain bottom, so it's it's range bound at the moment. And I think all indicators that make gold move are happening across the globe. So, what's happening with your warrants? I mean, how many have you got outstanding? Is that going to because we have later zero on? warrants? So we okay. we actually exercised all of our warrants 
We found buyers for any sales into exercising those warrants. Uh, so all those shares are in good hands now. Um, we're quite a tight, tightly held company at the moment. So do you, can, what can we expect to see from you? Because if I, if I look at a company like uh, Marathon, they did a lot of promotion around their feasibility study and the way that they've gone about it. And obviously they've got a, they've, you know, got a good project there and they've, they've built it out well. How do you intend to, given you're starting in a slightly unconventional way, right? You're splitting it as phase A, phase B, or phase one, phase two, however you want to position it. And you've explained why, and it makes sense. But don't you feel under a little bit more pressure to maybe uh, put out more information, I don't know, videos or promotions around how you're going about um, doing the phase A and phase B as you're doing it? Yes, absolutely. As soon as the feasibility is done at the end of this year, we can then use that type of information to also, you know, hone into phase two and what it would look like with videos and, and more promotional material. So, you know, the other thing is um, when you get into a into a phase of uh, the Lasan flat Lasan portion portion of the Lasan curve where you're building and permitting and it's boring and, and why would I buy your stock till it's built? Well, we're going to put a wedge in that Lasan curve and tilt it upwards by drilling west of our project. We have three million ounces in in two pits and and a little bit of underground underneath them to 500 meters deep. We have one and a half kilometers, which is actually the same strike length as our two pits, one and a half kilometers further to the west. And if you follow the strike of the mineralization, it hits another past producer from the same era as Goldboro in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So they were mining the anticlinal systems to the west, the pits to the east of closing in on 3 million ounces plus, and we haven't drilled a hole, but there's a geo geophysical signature showing that mineralization continues. So we know there's mineralization for another kilometer and a half, but we have to drill test it to see if there's any ore within that mineralization. Okay, so you, okay, so potentially, okay, a long strike is one thing. Is there any old data that you can look at in terms of what, what that mine produced or any data which it left behind? Just that uh, well, from the mine, yeah, we have some of the underground workers They were mining the anticlinal systems that we found in our deposit. So it's the same trend. Um, we just don't know what happens in between, whether it's at depth or it comes closer to the surface, but the geophysical signature suggests the mineralization continues. And that's a fantastic. It's not an arm-waving uh, exploration target. It is, you know, if you talk about the shadow of a head frame, this is, you know, in the shadow of a head okay, frame. So okay, so you're, you're looking to join up the dots there, and I guess you'll explain what that what the drill program could look like once you've worked it out. Um, but you, the drilling so far has been relatively shallow, hasn't it? Like, you know, I think up to 500 meters. I mean, what, are you planning yeah. to do any deeper holes than that? For these types of systems, it's very shallow drilling so far. We Our deepest hole is 540 meters of, right, okay. of any hole we've ever drilled. Our, our resource that we're looking at in the PEA for underground mining goes down to, at the deepest spot, about 500 meters. The analogs of these types of deposits, these anticlinal deposits that that look like this around the world, like Fosterville and other Victoria, uh, Victorian um, uh, deposits in, in Australia, these go for kilometers at depth. So we have a lot of opportunity at depth. We have a kilometer, the same opportunity on the western half of our project as we have on the east, which is approaching 3 million ounces and not drilled at depth. So this, we're convinced, is going to be a multi-generational mine. Built. Okay, and, and and just in sort of understand what's going on here, because you, you've kind of got this 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 form of producing mine. Are you seeing sort of these 
well, again, I, I don't know how much data you've got, but these sort of halos of deposits elsewhere. And, you know, and how do you go about, well, one, targeting them, exploring them, and um, or even just even, quite frankly, understanding, you know, what's there, the type of gold, you know, how you approach it. I mean, when, is that sort of work that you're looking at? Yeah, so what we're doing is we will um, cut line um, west of our current pits in order to do a ground-based IP, induced polarization survey. So that's a geotechnical, uh, sorry, a geophysical technique to pinpoint uh, chargeable uh, mineralization, uh, which would be the host uh, arsenopyrites and pyrites that are associated with the gold. And what it will do is pinpoint exactly where the noses of these anticlinal systems come close to surface. That's where we know we can drill from the north to the south and from the south to the north to hit the limbs of these um, and continue just moving from the known through the unknown back into the known again of the past producer and see where within there other pits may, may be lying of, of similar type mineralization or actually the same type of mineralization, but similar size to what we found in the East. I mean, we could be talking about quite a few million ounces here over time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump over to Stogotype because uh, you put out a press release <laughs> It's, it's almost it's getting funny now. It's 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 now still got another two to three years of life of mine, it, it, which it has has done for the last ten years. So that's good news because it's throwing off cash, which is well. One, I guess, talk about that. But I want to talk about what you're doing with the cash in terms of the drill program in, in a second. So Stogatite, give us the update. Yeah. So in, so in Newfoundland, where we have our operation and uh, and generate cash flow, um, we're currently mining a deposit called Argyle, which we had some startup issues with, uh, but now uh, mining well, we've caught up on the waste development, which is the expensive stuff that doesn't produce ore um, over, over a few quarters. And now we're right into Argyle and things are going well. And that, uh, that's got another 14 months of mine life. But we've discovered another project, uh, another mineralization area called Stogger Tight. And we just put out uh, not long ago, our resource on that, which is, uh, which is quite incredible because it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's 70,000 ounces and we only produce 20,000 ounces a year. So, you know, this, um, All right, it's, even more. it's okay. 640, 642,000 tons at three grams per ton. So we're currently mining just under two. So it's higher grade, it's closer to the mill. Um, and it looks like that, that 60,000 ounces of, of mineralization um, in resource at Stogger Tight should translate to at least uh, half of that, 50 to 60 percent of, of mineable ounces at, uh, at at a little over two grams, 2.1 or 2.2 grams per ton, and that'll be another two year, another one and a half to two years onto the. So, you know, now you're at two to three years again, which we've been at for a long time. But discovering stogger tight, which is a little different mineralization than we've mined in the past in Newfoundland, has opened up a whole bunch of other targets. We have. Uh, um, uh, we have at least four quality targets that are lookalikes to Stogger type based on geochemistry and geophysics that we're now drilling as well, like Corkscrew and Big Bear and Pumbly Point and Deer Cope, um, which we mentioned in our press releases as well. So, so stay tuned for maybe other discoveries. What we'd like to always have is one mine being in production, one mine being developed to follow it, and another mine being drilled off as a new discovery. And that look, looks like that's what we're heading to in Newfoundland. Okay, so potentially another 10 years of two to three years life of mine. Well, I, I don't think we'll ever show <laughs> 10 years on the books, but I think we'll show two to three years for the next 10 years. <laughs> that's what I thought. Well, okay, so uh, let's get on to the cash component of that. So that is throwing off cash for you guys. What's the free cash flow 
from the, those operations which will allow you to invest reinvest into gold brokers that's that's the kind so, of flagship, so at right? two thousand dollar canadian gold which is about 15 50 us uh, quite a reasonable um, long-term gold price for us i think uh, we're gonna have to start looking at, at jacking that up to 1600 because that's what's basically out there now 1600 to 1650 for long-term gold prices um that gives us uh, for next year which will be looking like a record year for us should give us uh, over 20 million dollars free cash Right. Uh, the next year after that, if Stogger Type comes on on stream again, it's a similar style deposit, similar size, a little bit higher grade, and a little closer to the mine site. It should do even better than that. So we're looking at twenty million plus for the next uh, each year for the next two to three years, um, which obviously will not build Goldbrook, but allows us to move it forward with feasibility and 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 have you know some kind of leverage uh, when we're talking about uh, project finance as well. Well, exactly. That, again, this is where I want to go. Um, so, well, before we do, um, total cash position at the moment, given this money is About $8 million. Dollars. We yeah. have about $8 million in the bank. The other thing about generating cash flow, we actually don't use that generated cash flow very much on exploration because our projects are in Canada and we have what's called flow through here, whereby we can raise funds at a, approximately a 30 to 35% premium to our current share price to use on exploration only. And that's the qualification. You must use it on expiration in Canada. So we actually use that uh, charity flow through and flow through uh, to raise funds to to do our expiration. So everything we do is 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 looking at dilution to the company because we don't want to dilute any of our shareholders or stakeholders, which include us. Right. Okay. So let's, let's try and get some numbers out of you that people will understand in terms of this um, expiration program and what you at Goldbrum, what you're trying to do there, if we can focus on that is, so how, how many meters, how much money, how much time and, and you know, and to, and to what end? Is everything going to feed into the feasibility study or is there going to also be additional exploration? Oh, no, no, there's there's much more. We're, we're, we're going to embark on a 20,000 meter drill program west of the, of the what I just described earlier, west of the pits. Um, it's a four and a half million dollar program. It includes a 50 line kilometer IP survey on the ground. And, uh, you know, that'll all be with flow through funds separate from all the work that we're doing, including a lot of drilling uh, at site. We're drilling in between the pits. We're infill drilling some of the inferred that surround the circumference of some of the pits so that they may even they may even grow in size, the current pits that we have. We're also doing a lot of geotechnical holes, a lot of water well drilling to all the work we need to do to finalize uh, the feasibility and, and uh, you know, to, uh, to understand the water inflows into the pit, do the final numbers for getting the feasibility done in mid-December. Right, okay. So again, you, you seem you seem quite keen to have took this anti-dilutionary language here, right? Well, I guess as you should do, are you feeling a little bit super sensitive about the people's perception of what the feasibility um, situation is? Is that you're trying to make it clear that you're not trying to dilute people, you don't want to raise money? Is, Right. I mean, uh, hence hence the reason we're doing a two-phase approach, one of the many reasons. Um, why uh, it wouldn't be a good use of proceeds right now to spend money on drilling deeper than 500 meters um, and including an, an infill drilling, all the inferred deep ounces to include in a feasibility whereby those deep ounces don't come into play until year six. Why not open up the mine and mm. and get cash flow going to drill it off um, from even with maybe even a drift off 
one of the pits to not have long, deep drill holes and, uh, and use cash flow. That's much less dilutive to the company. And quite honestly, you know, opening up a mine for, for several years of open pit uh, obviously gives us that view of the deposit in, in 3D um, for years before we design an underground based on that. There's rumors that you've had another company walking around a couple of some of your projects. Is there, is there anything to those rumors and, and, and why would another company be walking around a couple of your projects? Well, I think, you know, there's, there's always rumors in this industry, as you'll, as you'll see, as everybody knows. And we have, you know, we do mine visits uh, all the time. Uh, we always look, we, we work closely with, with Maritime Resources and Rambler uh, on synergies in the area, especially with Rambler. Um, you know, if we have issues on getting, uh, you know, supply chain right now is, is difficult worldwide. If we have issues getting some components for our mill, we'll call up Rambler. Um, and likewise, the other way around, when they need a hand from us, we'll help them. Um, so, you know, there, there's times where people visit. I've visited every project in the area. Why wouldn't I? I need to understand things more. So um, that happens time to time. But, you know, I don't know what those rumors are about or what they refer to. But, uh, you know, we have people at site all the time. Um, we're, we're open to showing it to, to everybody. Right. So but there's no, there's no M&A in the offering here. Uh, well, you know, if, 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 if there were, I wouldn't be able to talk about it because it'd be under CA. But, um, you know, I can tell you that we keep operating. We, we love our project in Newfoundland. And, and from time to time, there are people that visit sites. Okay. We, we will leave, leave that there. So you, what would you say your big message is here? You know, you, you've always, you said from day one, Goldberg is the thing that you uh, are most excited about. Um, do you think, and you also said earlier, you think you've timed it right? Because, and, and tell me what you mean by that. Because obviously the market well, sucked I, for the last 12 months. So why, why have you timed it right? I don't think that, uh, I don't believe that we've timed it right. I, I believe that the timing is working out for us. Um, you know, we are trying to get this going as quickly as we can and, and doing all the permitting we need to do to get it going, which is the bottleneck here. Um, and it just, it's setting itself up that, that putting a feasibility out at the end of this year, going into next year, and then talking about project financing for at least another year, because that permitting will take at least another year. I think we'll be well into one of these legs of, of, of this gold bull run. And I'm not talking about crazy numbers of gold, like 5,000 or 4,000, but boy, oh boy, somewhere in the high teens or 2,000, you know, US, um, this thing would be through a billion dollar NPV. Uh, at those types of numbers. So you're looking at an environment that potentially has an increasing gold price. You're looking at uh, a project that's in a first world and easily financeable for a company our size. And you're looking at it being the next one to be built in Nova Scotia and the largest gold deposit in the province and the highest grade undeveloped open pit on the East Coast. All those things tick every, you know, a lot of people's boxes. And I think you know, we're like I say, we're tightly held. So in a, in a in a dull environment, or when it's not a bull market in gold, you don't have much trading. But when you do uh, hit a bull market and people want to buy, there's not much supply, and, and that's when stocks will start moving uh, quite quite rapidly. In my do you think that your Newfoundland projects could do better sitting in another vehicle? We've seen a lot of promote around Newfoundland projects, right, from various parties. Some projects more 
well, better than others, let's put it that way, and, but, but all getting an equal, equal amount of love. Do, have, you, do you, have you considered that in the last year, given what you've sort of seen in the market? Yeah, I mean, we, we've, you know, since I started with this company, we've always been looking at it, like what, what's, what's best for shareholders? And it is possible that that, uh, either in a spin-out or in a separate vehicle, uh, might be better overall. Um, so we're always, you know, we're always looking at opportunity and, uh, and things that will be, you know, create shareholder value. On an ongoing basis, so we do think about it. We think about it quite often, and uh, but remember, flavors of the month change quite quickly sometimes. Um, so, you know, I think you'll see, you know, with the things that are going on in Nova Scotia too. I think you'll see more investment going into Nova Scotia, and then somewhere else will pop up in the world. It's quite exciting, and and, and things change. So, what we focus on is doing something meaningful for our stakeholders that create shareholder value and grow the company. Based on fundamentals, uh, how, how old school of you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's. Um, Did you just call me old? I know. No. <laughs> I think it's old school mentality of fo- focusing on making money properly based on fundamentals. I think is a very very good thing. Um, so, um, so just just on the um, the environmental component again, just want to want to make sure I understand this. It's like if you go ahead with the feasibility phase A, phase B, you you can kind of get on with that process today. That, that, that's a big driver for you because is it taking longer these days with ESG as the number one topic for funds, for investors, is it taking longer to get over the line? Yeah. And I think it's a simple fact that there's more work to do to, to prove that you're not going to harm the environment any more than you, than you need to, and that you're not going to create any social issues any more than you need to. And getting that down and on paper and understanding the project and defining it specifically to the government of the province you're in or the area you're in in the world is very, very important. So for us, we are we, we could put in our, our uh, environmental um, assessment registration document today, but it wouldn't be complete. And that doesn't fast track things. That actually does the opposite. So we're going to finish our feasibility. We're going to spend another six to eight weeks after that. Um, putting our EARD together. And we want to be known for the company that put in the most comprehensive detailed EARD in Nova Scotia history for gold mining so that the, that the question and answer and review periods are minimized. You can have anywhere from one to four of them, and they are three months each of review, further questions, review, further questions. You can have four of those. We're guiding that we will have four of those because it's a large project. Um, but the better we do up front with our AERD, the less questions we'll get and the less time it'll take to, to finalize, to get final permits. Right. So just, again, t- timing on the feasibility is what? What's the date we're looking for? Mid-December. Mid-December. So pretty soon. So that means by the end of February, we should have an EARD delivered to the government, which defines and sets the, the project as an open pit project and exactly what you're going to do and where the infrastructure is going to be and the discharge into the environment. And then you've then they start working on whether they have questions they want further information or, and there's four periods of that. We're guiding that we'll take all four periods, which is 18 months. Right. Okay. Till we're, till we're shovel ready. Okay. So you're shovel from, from the end of February. Okay. So so I've had a company again on, on this week, and they've gone from PEA to feasibility study, and then they're getting funded. That that seems to be the model that you're you're suggesting, and, and that you can employ here. So well, ours just to be clear, ours is a little different, Matt. We haven't gone from PEA to feasibility. We started the feasibility two years ago. We did a PEA because we had such a, an upgrade in resources at one point 
uh, and more specifically, a thousand over a thousand percent increase in open pitable resources that we had to somehow define the change in scope from a small underground high grade mine to a large open pit mine up front, and uh, also to protect ourselves because we felt very vulnerable uh, having millions of ounces added to to our company and not having any economics around. So we chose to do the PEA in parallel. So the PEA actually had a lot of fundamentally feasibility level work on the metallurgy and things like that that wouldn't otherwise be in a PEA. It would be it would be more of an estimate. These, you know, for instance, the recovery in the PEA is feasibility level metallurgical work. Okay. So that change. Okay, understood. So you're gonna you can once you get the environment. Sorry, are you already having conversations with regards to with with funders about getting this funded? Because they'll they'll have those conversations subject to you getting the environmental you know etc. in place, right? So what do you know today? Correct. We have had over sixty meetings with um, project finance groups from streaming and royalty companies to debt providers to banks, uh, everybody, um, and uh, they're all pretty consistent with with what they're saying, which is this is a, uh, a robust project based on the PEA so far um, in, a, in a good jurisdiction, a great jurisdiction. And it's easily fundable to up to 60 to 70% debt if required. So those groups are ready to you know, put term sheets in front of you, obviously with condition, conditional on permitting and, and other things, but uh, they're ready to do that. We're not ready to do that until our feasibility is done, and we're talking about actual concrete numbers. Absolutely. So, are that? Have you had conversations with them since you decided to do the feasibility study like this? Because financing a project of scale and big capex that's going to be attractive to some, uh, and, and where if it becomes a little bit smaller, it's not. It may not be as attractive to them because the, the money's re- required are smaller, right? So, w- what's the dynamic of that conversation? Do they understand why you've chosen to do it this way? And has anyone fallen away as a result? Nobody's fallen away. As a matter of fact, most people like it. And the reason is, they'll fund something that gets payback quickly within those ten years. That's why the eight year plus mine life is important. So, to them, it's an open pit mine life with this huge upside of underground later that really doesn't play into their valuation, but they love that there's a potential long-term mine life because the underground doesn't go away. It's just simply not at feasibility level yet. So you can still look at the PEA once the feasibility for open pit's done and say, yeah, but this is default. Uh, and they won't be blind to that. I mean, anybody that does fund this project is going to have their own independent engineer review it and stuff like that, and they'll see the potential. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. well look, um, look, I appreciate the update. You, um, Sounds like things are one obviously moving forward. I understand the, the rationale between splitting the feasibility study between open pit and underground. Um, when what would the what, what do you say? Just again, I just I want to leave me with that thought. What's the timing on you saying right? We'll do the underground feasibility study. At what point again? So the so the PEA suggests that the best time to develop underground is around year six from within the pits. Got it. And um, so that gives us quite a bit of time to do that second phase, but we will do it as early as we can, which means as soon as we get enough inferred drilled off out of cash flow when the open pit mine starts. Because you've got to get that balance between the most efficient way, most of, you know, if it's all about efficiency, so year six would make sense. You have a lot of data by that point, and obviously pleasing the market in terms of scale. Uh, you know, conversation around grade, underground, uh, et cetera, and, you know, bringing the economics forward because there will be cost to it, but you're going to be making money. So presumably you're bringing the potential forward. So how, 
when, how do you review that or get that balance right? Well, what, what we've chosen to do is that the underground will start and actually the, the $300 million to develop the underground will be completely out of cash flow oh, you that's under, built okay. up over the years. So there isn't a secondary financing. To, basically, you're building two mines for the price of one with cash flow. So, you know, again, not diluted. Okay. So, you know, year five and six, you'll see the all-in costs go up quite considerably because you're spending... I think year six, 30, uh, 62 million on underground ramp development, and then at 30 the next year to develop it all, to get it going. But then you're stoping. And the, the key is that underground mining at this particular deposit is only on the high grade anticlinal lenses, whereas the open pit takes all of the halo mineralization. So the difference in grade between, even though it's confusing. The grade isn't getting higher at depth, but when you go to underground mining, you're mining only the high-grade veins within a system that's lower grade. So really, you you jump up uh, the grade by two to three times when you go underground. So really, it's, it's not about starting it earlier and getting more capacity through the mill. It's about incorporating the underground and the grade actually goes up overall. So we started about 87,000 ounces a year on average for the first five years. And then we developed the underground and then we moved to 137,000 ounces a year without any more throughput. It's just a grade difference for the next 10 in the PEA uh, at some very low operating costs. Kevin, good update. Um, stay in touch, let us know how you get on. I'm intrigued by um, the, the the new plan and uh, hopefully we'll get a sense of the new economics uh, before Christmas as well. Great, thanks a lot, Matt. Have a great night.